welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and I'm joined this morning by a good friend of mine, uh, Plant Daddy. Uh, he uh, has been a community activist and organizer. Uh, he was very involved in the, uh, the uprisings last summer in Milwaukee, and um, I'm excited to talk to him about his passions and, and uh, yeah, just uh, what he's up to these days. Um, thank you very much, Indy, for joining me today. For sure. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> How, are you? How are you? I'm well. I'm existing this morning. I um, just got back in from Chicago yesterday. A bunch of friends and, and I uh, got an Airbnb and celebrated her birthday. And so... We're big. Uh, we're a big karaoke group, and it's not super karaoke safe yet. Um, and so we decided to get together and have our own little thing at a big old Airbnb. Oh, that's fun. That's that's exciting. Uh, a little DIY karaoke, then. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, did you uh, eat some good food? Yeah, we. Um, my friends and I like to go to. Well, mostly my friends. I don't. I just kind of like participate in it because my friends love it and it was Raven's birthday. And so she really likes Papado's. And so we took a trip to Papado's and she really loves uh, to go to Sugar Factory. And so we went on her birth date and uh, we did the whole birthday thing where they bring you the sundae and with the candy and the sparklers. And so, yeah, we did Sugar Factory, we did Papado's. We, of course, stopped at Portillo's. Classic. Um, it was really good food, yeah. We went to some dispensaries down there as well. Nice. The Chicago's oh. together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're with the times a little bit more than we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sounds like it was full of treats. Um, and treats are important in this really... Uh, um, He's trying he's to, yeah, these frustrating. Like, <laughs> yeah, I uh, actually, our mutual good friend Emily, mm-hmm. uh, shout out to her, yeah, uh, yeah, the queen. Uh, she and I went to uh, Walgreens recently, and uh, I just had to buy the nerds ropes, dude. I just needed, I did, I just needed like a sugar fix because it's been like. I don't, I don't eat that much candy, but I've just like around Easter time, like I feel like I'm just like wired to start craving sugar this time of year. So no, I don't think I've ever had a nerd's rope. Oh, it's hard on the outside and soft on the inside. That's me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad you had a very nice time in Chicago. Thank uh, you. Yeah, how how are you? Like, what are you up to today? What what have you done today so far? Today, um, I, um, so a friend of mine, uh, this guy spent the night. He's in from out of town, um, and that was it. We stayed up pretty late, played some video games, watched some shows, had some late night Wendy's, oh. drank some beer. He's from San Antonio, and so and I had uh, some third space beer. And oh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, gave him a little taste of some local beer. Um, and 
that's pretty much it. Been pretty chill. He's gonna go pick up some food, and so that'll be ready to go once we're all wrapped up. Right. Uh, we might. We might. You, you said we might hear some uh, some rustling and some uh, right. <laughs> some rattling in the background when he gets right. back. <laughs> and he leaves tomorrow morning, so um, today I'm gonna because I'm because of how hyper local I am and how much I've been leading into that lately. Um, I'm gonna give him the hyper local Milwaukee tour. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, hype. What is so hyper local? What What do you mean? But what is that? Um, like born, raised, and fully educated here. Have never worked in any other state or city. Oh. Oh. Sure. Okay. Like I never went away for college. I never like. I still live on the block that I grew up in. Um, I'm involved in a lot of networks here because I've been here. I see. Sure. Okay. Cool. I understand. Um, great. Well, uh, that's wonderful. Uh, so, Indy, Indalacio. What we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity, and so. Uh, I, always, I love thinking about how we met um, through uh, the the, uh, the dawn of quarantine. It was when lockdown first hit and like oh, we, <laughs> we just we couldn't see anybody. So uh, our so Emily and you know her her group uh, through we've we we had some Zoom parties. Um, and I met you through that because you know you and you and her have been friends from were friends from school, and uh, yeah, that was that was a blast. That was like the most day drinking I've done like so in the last violent. year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like I would I would I would get messed up. I would really get messed up on those parties. <laughs> yeah, we'd but be like, doing it at like one in the afternoon or some shit. Yeah, and it like. But they were so good. They were so good. They were really what I needed at the time. And like, yeah, it was, I was, I'm very grateful that, that Emily did all that for us. And hopefully we'll get to do some Zoom drinking again soon. Yeah, honestly, like, it was like so fun that like, even when COVID's over, like, I would still just do it over Zoom. You know? right, <laughs> like, right. Very much like it's, it's so like they're, the stakes are so low where it's it i feel like it it lets everyone even the most extroverted and introverted get their fix yeah there's less like uh it's less pressurized from like being all in one place like mm -hmm. um i mean believe me being in person still has its merits too but uh zoom parties are uh i don't know it just it was a it was a cool discovery of just like a new yeah. like uh a new level of like keeping in touch with your friends, you know? So um, that was really fun. And, uh, it's safe too. Like after we all get messed up, um, like no one has to text each other be like, Hey, did you make it home? All right. Or like wonder to the morning, like everyone's already home. Like right. I'm really fucked up. I'm yeah. really dumb. And then like, bye click. And you're right. done. You're good. Yeah. Exactly. Like when I'd be doing that shit, like from here, like I'm five feet away from my bed. So I could just pass the fuck out when I'm done. Right. Right. Yeah. You don't have to worry about like getting Uber or some shit, you know? Right. Right. So if we're ever too lazy to like, you know, uh, all like get together at someone's house in the future, we can always just uh, 
do it right from our rooms. So, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, so, uh, Indy, you also um, very active in the marches and uh, the, the George Floyd protests last summer, which we'll, we'll definitely talk more about that in, in a bit. But first, um, pretend we usually kind of take it back. So, uh, so you said, so you're, so like you said, you're hyper local. You've just always um, been like pretty much right where you are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, born on the South Side at St. Luke's Hospital over on 27th in Oklahoma. Um, raised on the South Side right here on 26th in Greenfield. I still live in the house that I grew up in. Um, and there's been a lot of renovations. And so I have my own apartment. Um, it's always a house that's going to stay in the family. And then uh, I was educated here, like elementary school, middle school. I went to Nativity Jesuit, all boys institution. Um, then I went to Market High, also an all-boys institution, UW-Milwaukee for music, um, ended with musical theater, mm. then all worked here, stayed here, uh, had, had uh, successes here, and, and, and lack thereof as well. Like, I've been through it all in Milwaukee. Sure, for sure. Um... Yeah. Okay. So I guess before we talk more about like, you know, being an adult and navigating this hellscape. Um, so you, you went to school for music. Um, so yeah, I guess tell me a little bit about like the arts for you growing up. Like, uh, what did you do? Like, how did you kind of like find yourself in a creative outlet? Um, my mom had us all, my mom, believes in a very balanced education. And so where she sees that um, the institutions that we were at were lacking, she would try to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? She would just try to, I guess, fill it in with however she could. And so like with my little brother, um, the schools he was at never had sports teams and he really liked to play baseball. So she would always make sure that she'd find like she'd always have him either at like Wilson Park or um she she started him on the side side over, south side over here but it was it wasn't she always made sure that that it was it was the most access that she could give to her kids and so one of the things she always did was she tried everyone she was like are you gonna enjoy music yes or no and then like she'd always give us one like 100 effort um for it and so when my time came around, we had this beautiful, gorgeous, um, humongous, like absolutely monstrous upright piano with, um, it, was, it was really dark wood with um, mirrors on the inside of it, on the back of it. Mm-hmm. And the mirrors had gold etching on it. And it was just this huge monstrous thing. And so um, I was obsessed with it. And so I was in piano lessons growing up and then the piano teacher that I had had the same ideology as my mom, where it was a very balanced education. And so I was always in piano lessons and um, that was just kind of my outlet. I was in an accident in middle school and then my piano teacher passed away when I was a freshman in high school. And so that was a whole thing too. Um, I studied with a very prestigious teacher for a bit um, in the piano world here in Milwaukee, sister. My original teacher was Sister Ann Kakumeyer, and I met her when she was 90. Oh, wow. 
Wow. And I was five. Yeah. Wow. What a margin. <laughs> Damn. Well, it, that's so awesome. like to think about like a 90 year old woman giving a five year old piano lessons and then like passing on her own ideologies on what a balanced education should be and what access should be to said education. Um, because she would tell me, and I was a kid, I was a kid. And she um, had a severe stroke um, in 2006 and then passed away. And then I studied with sister um, Marion Berhalen, um, who, when I went to music school and I was like, yeah, I studied with sister Marion and everybody was like, Verhalen, really? Like you study with her? And I'm like, I guess. And she's wonderfully published and, and has, uh, has written a lot of piano curriculum. And then I dabbled in church organ for a little bit. And I just thought I was gonna perform on an instrument, but I was never as good as I could be because of my accident in middle school. And then um, the way that Marquette High School um, snuffed out my uh, opportunity to be a better musician. Um, so they punished me by for not having as good of grades as they wanted me to have by not letting me take music and claiming that music was a privilege rather than a right. And that obviously like, I'm like, what? A privilege? A privilege. You're telling me that music is a privilege. And so um, I ended up going to music school for uh, I auditioned for the piano department, but I wanted to be in music education with a focus on choral studies. And because I was doing choral studies, they were like, well, you need to sing eventually. And I'm like, I don't sing. <laughs> yeah. Right. And now if you know me, now it's that's kind of stupid. It's really dumb. <laughs> and so eventually when I auditioned for the voice department, because they were like, well, we need to get you to 200 level voice lessons so you could get into your choral studies then cool. You're going to have a primary instrument and a secondary instrument. And it was piano and voice respectively. And then, um, and then when I did like my jury or whatever the audition was, and I remember Dr. Sheila Faishaw, the head of the, uh, the chair of the music education department was like, yeah, baby, we're gonna, we're gonna switch those instruments a little bit real quick because you're a really, really badass singer and you don't practice piano enough. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And so what you doing here? You're, you're calling but I was like, you're you know what's up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so then um and singing just came really naturally. Storytelling came so, 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 so naturally. And then um little did I know that that the department would take me through a journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And um, yeah, then I, then I ended in musical theater and I'm, I'm leaning into my purpose as a storyteller nowadays, um, rather than seeing, and, and definitely seeing uh, music and singing as, as something that requires a high level of athleticism and um, scholarly professionalism as well. I see it as something that's, um, that's innate in our humanity in terms of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what, I'm, what I've been leaning into lately. I love that for you. 
<laughs> um, that's a uh, yeah. I mean, I admire that that drive and that philosophy a lot. Um, that you know, access to arts, hundred percent is and should be a right. And uh, like, you know, it's it's shameful that it's always the first to go when budgets get cut. Um, so that said, uh, yeah. So what are you up to now? Like, what do you, what do you uh, what have you been up to since school with it? Well, since school, let's see, I, since school, I was a teacher for a bit. I was a classroom teacher, a private teacher, voice and piano. Um, uh, we live in a gig economy, so it would just kind of be semester by semester. I would be, you know, playing in a pit orchestra here, doing extracurricular classes there, leading a drama program over here, and, uh, Eventually, I fell into a full-time position at a small private school on the south side. And the same thing happened where it was just like, it was this this um, white savior notion that music is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I, I, when I, man, when I was a teacher, I'd cry every day because I just was working myself to the bone and I couldn't. I saw myself in these kids if if I wasn't given that access, you know, and I wanted to do more to give them that access. And I'm just kind of like, but I'm not your parent, but I love you like I'm your parent because I want to give you everything. I want to give you everything. I want you to be me. I want you to be a storyteller. Like I, I saw the students that, that really wanted it. And I saw the students that would have found their way through it to even better things and I wasn't, I wasn't um, equipped for that, yeah. and, and it hurt. Putting boxes, you know, from in terms of like their success, and in terms of like what their rite of passage is, like mm-hmm. as as kids with dreams, you know, and it's always like that common core curriculum, and how well they do with that, and. The standardized testing and that bullshit. Yeah, and this school um, was using what's called Skyrocket, which is a, and my, my sister is like, she's two masters in and everything but a dissertation away from a doctor's in, in education, I think specifying in um, special education. And so she like very well read and very well studied in the subject area. And I talked to her about it because she was my sister and um, I needed help, and I was like, at a, I wasn't getting support from the from, like the proper support from from administ- from the administrators, and so, um, she was like, the thing is that Skyrocket is a behavioral based linear form of lesson planning, and that doesn't. She was like, and I'm assuming that really doesn't work with music, and I was like, well, it doesn't because music is is everything music is music and the arts like they can be kinesthetic and visual and auditory and everything in between and it can be a combination of everything and then it's also spirals it's like your understanding of it it can be zero to a thousand in 0.6 seconds where you just like and some people that comes naturally and some people that doesn't and like i've met people who who are just 
like they'll just eat a score up and just play it for you and it's like can you side transpose us and they'll be like yeah i can do it you know like it's it's things like that and and when you ask them it's just like i don't know i've just always been able to sight read and it's like so you can't you can't behavioralize and linearize i guess for lack of a better i'm just making up words um the arts and it was just kind of like i just wasn't I, I did I wasn't equipped enough be and I guess in a way creative enough because I, I wasn't a teacher I'm a performer and so I, I I was passing on my passion rather than passing on curriculum to the students and yeah. so they didn't like that because my students loved it because it seemed so fun and whatnot and I'm like yeah this is what it's like to be passionate about something yeah. and sure. I was passing that on and they were just like we love this like we love you Mr. Valentine and I'm just like mm-hmm um, but then the school was on my ass. School was on my ass about shit. And I was just kind of like, how else am I going to get them to like music if I'm not coming at it from a passionate perspective? Well, than, what are they going to tell you? Like, don't have as much passion? <laughs> well, they're, they're going to tell me, they're going to tell me you need to teach theory and classical music. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's not, that's not like the phrase in Spanish is like, no es la última Coca-Cola del desierto. Like it's not the last Coca-Cola in the desert. Classical music isn't isn't the like the bees knees and like the highest like cream of the crop type shit. Like it's very white centric, and it's and it is very limiting in what it can teach, especially in our own like ground level pedestrian arts where we actually live and we actually connect with each other, like. And and that's what they would have wanted me to do. And I was like, I'm, I can do that as much as I as I want. I'm like, but I'm not going to get them to actually have it stick, um, if there isn't a passion behind it. Um, so I would I would do things like um, I would show them like tiny desk concerts a lot, like the Erica Badu one or um, the Mac Miller one, because it was the year that Mac Miller had passed away a few months prior. And some of them were real, still really sad about it. They were still coping about that. And um, just seeing that tiny desk concert like was, was everything to some of them. And um, or like Tank and the Bangers was a really good one that I would show them. Los Acheros, Natalia La Porcade. And then we would talk about what pop culture is and what they consume on a social media aspect. And they were just kind of like, well, if you heard uh, 6 9 just came out with a new song or whatever, and I'd be like, okay, well, and, and at its core, what is 6 9 But a music artist. And they'd be like, oh, okay, whatever. And then like eventually when they'd bring up all these like pop culture notions that were happening in the now, I'd be like, you realize these are all artists that you're following and not only artists, they're musicians. Yeah. I'm like, and not only like, sure, maybe Nikki doesn't know how to read a piece of sheet music, but her producer does. Yeah. But yeah. her songwriters do. And that's, that's that check, baby. It just, and, yeah. And that's, and that's the art, the power of collaboration. Right. And I, and that's how to get them. I'd be like, so study your theory, you know, like, yeah, like yeah. one day you one day you might be somebody's producer. Right. You might be somebody's songwriter, like. Right. You could be a session musician uh, for, you know, some some cool shit here in Milwaukee's own scene. Who knows? You know, like. Exactly. Could, yeah. Yeah. Like there's 
<clears throat> there are just, you know, so much, there is so much power you have from studying music, but studying it with passion and with mm-hmm. soul and with intention and not just like, you know, not just for a grade. <laughs> and, and that is, that's honestly like, you know, I was a band kid in middle school and I didn't have the passion for it. Cause like you said, I mean, it was just all like tedious process, you know, just going to practice every day, you know, rehearsing the same like three pieces. We're going to do it. We're going to play in a concert three months from now. I have a lesson once a week. And then like, you know, that's, that's all I was really taught about my instrument and playing music is just that you're only as good as, you know, you can play in this, in this band for a grade, but man like it would maybe i would have stuck with it further if i would have taught if i would have been taught like hey yeah you you could learn how to like actually start writing music yourself and learn how to you know uh access resources that can get you in touch with the right people and learn the industry and stuff like that like there's the way the music industry operates now like there is such a need for many different facets of talent the power of creativity and community if that was like the arts that I was taught, maybe, yeah, like I said, maybe I would have stuck with it more, you know? Like I had this student, um, Emmanuel. He wasn't the best behaved kid. He had a really, really like brilliant mouth, actually. Like his, sometimes his clapbacks, I would be like, oh, damn. <laughs> like I, I would have to like hold my tongue. I'd be like, Ugh. Cause it would be so funny because you'd say some <laughs> shit. I'd be like, ha! Um, and I remember there was one time that um, once we got into theory and practicing um, the materials in theory. So literally just writing the notation on the paper. Once we got to it with the second graders, um, I started making copies of um, staff paper and, and um, I'd hand it out and be like, all right, practice your quarter rests practice writing your note heads and by the end of one class the first day that i um gave out sheet music emmanuel came up to me and he was like mr valentine i wrote a song and i'm like let me see so then he filled the piece of staff paper both sides with notes and i'm just like i'm excited for you to keep writing music i'm like this is from here on out, what I want is um, for you to behave a little bit better in class. You know what you need to do. You know what you need to do. You know how to pay attention. You know how you know how to answer questions and be nice to your classmates. I'm like, and, and instead of a sticker at the end of class, I'll give you a piece of staff paper for you to take home so you can keep writing music. And he was just like, yes. Like he was just like, like was all about it and like that something to me where I was like man why like all all it took was encouraging the kid like what right why can't have imagination we, you know I'm like why can't we just give that like no it has to be theory no it has to be this it has to be right. let the kid do the, what the kid does right man. exactly he's gonna find his way obviously he went as far as manifesting this thought of I'm going to write a song and here's my song. Do you want to hear it? And then he like, go at it. I don't know. It just was. Yeah. 
I, I, so, I love that. Anyways, um, since graduation, since that degree, I had that bottle of teaching. And that was maybe what taught me the most. Um, after I left that institution, I had to resign. It was, it was, I was just doing way too much. And it was, uh, in a way, they were pushing me out. And I was just like, I'm, I, I'm just going to bow out. And thank you for the opportunity. I learned a lot. And then yeah. I said bye to my babies and I left. Yeah. And then um, uh, that was what, 2019. And then for the whole summer, I had a huge bout of growth um, because I was in an abusive relationship at the time as well. And that went from everything to nothing. Um, and so I was left in shambles and really took that summer to get myself together. Um, did some audition tours through a few cities, um, traveled a little bit and, and, and just worked. I auditioned and I was working. I was set, I was set to move away. Um, I was planning on moving to New York city in 2020. Um, because I had a I had a contract with the Florentine until the end of May, and the Florentine pays very nicely. Very, they pay very well. Um, even just chorus, I was just doing chorus. And um, after I finished my first stage show and saved up that money, I was just gonna work, 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 work. The busy season was about to start for the service industry, and then I was gonna just like do the opera, get my coin, and get out of here. And then COVID hit and um, unemployed, living life, um, gig economy, getting whatever little gig I can here and there. I still have a, a few regular things that are happening. I, I spend a lot of time doing liturgical music. You can't do choral studies without doing sacred music. And so um, I was raised Catholic. And so my connections in the Catholic world, um, I just learn the thing and I and I did the liturgical music and that's kind of been keeping me busy keeping me honest um uh lets me check in with my voice every now and then being with my singing friends when we do get a chance to get together and sing um to also like keep me together um settling back into a new space since um because I, I wasn't always living here I, I had to relocate because of some things that happened from um, the uprisings from the from last summer and so settling into this space and and kind of looking forward and like I said lately been leaning into um, just adding more ways to tell stories like adding more instruments to my arsenal to be able to be more a better storyteller what's the most recent instrument um, I like, actually, like I've, I've low key looked towards you, um, because these are people's stories on Mr. Nice Guy podcast. And so, um, I really love that. Um, and so I've gotten into interviewing as well, oh. into, into a bit of like journalism a lot, uh, uh, definitely not like Mr. Nice Guy was <laughs> like, Milwaukee artists and like, um, what did you what did you say? Purpose, passion, love and fear, love and passion. fear, passion and creativity. There we go. Um, and so 
I have also started like my like mini passion product project that I just like post on SoundCloud and okay yeah okay <laughs> I see you um hell yeah that's that's awesome well first of all thank you very much it's very kind very sweet uh to um uh acknowledge uh Mr. Nice Guy um hey I'm glad you can be a part of it yeah no for sure this this is very nice i like it good yeah uh so what what is so like uh what is your personal way of going about this like this like little passion project so i um when i was in college i would get home very late i would leave her leave home pretty early and get home very late and i would i commuted i stayed with my parents and um it was in this house and it was kind of separated like in the works of like being renovated and so like I had my own space and my parents lived in the back and um when my mom was here uh I didn't grow up with cable but then all of a sudden we all were we all turned 30 and then all of a sudden she's like I want cable all the time now and I'm like okay mom thanks <laughs> and so um when we were, when I was in college, he had cable and I would always record Steven Universe, the cartoon. And there's a scene in Steven Universe where um, Steven's mom, Rose Quartz, talks about um, the state of being of humans versus gems. And she says that when a gem is born, um, when a gem is made, it's burst out of the ground already knowing what it is, what it's supposed to do. It has its reason for living and its purpose. And she was like, but humans, like you, you're expected to change from moment to moment. Like you basically, you have the power to grow. Gems, she was like, gems don't. And, and I am what I am and it's whatever. And, but she's like, humans grow and like that's so cool and so it kind of got me thinking about um our trajectory as we grow and and just the notion of purpose and like it's such a looming question like what are you going to do with your life and like uh, like what is your purpose like why are you here and so that's just kind of been marinating in my head and in my heart for all these years and then finally I was kind of like I I'm kind of curious on people's purpose and and the way that people are dealing with the looming the looming question of like what are you going to do with your life and so um as I was interviewing people I found myself falling into a pattern of interviewing women of color and I wanted to interview people of color already because um if there's anybody in the world that that never gets to have a singular and linear purpose it's people of color but way more especially women of color and like i've seen a, a few instagram posts recently where it's like when i say women women i also include trans women yes like women with an x like as inclusive as possible like women in general and then women of color do not have a choice in being multi-purposed and like 
and and like not they don't have a linear purpose in the way that they traject like do things like the phrase is always like you do 10 times more to get half as much as a person of color right and that goes twice as much for women of color and so I started interviewing some people that I really admired and I got some really amazing stories out of it and and whether they were friends like good friends or not like we learned so much about each other in a way that was like did we like yeah we're not doubting like did we really know each other but like we we just went so much deeper and like sunk into it and so um that whole thing is really what got me into it was just like with like the first few interviews i was i i started getting my my bearings on it and i was kind of like this is really beautiful like this is really something that I can sink my teeth into and 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 love, I guess. That's beautiful. Uh, that's awesome. I I love that. That's so that's so like that's a very um, powerful concept to theme like an interactive show around because you know it can be it can be easy to be like yeah you know i just like want to see what people are about you know i want to know what makes people do what they do and why people are the way they are like it's really easy to like you know speak those those uh questions out loud but it will always be like specific and personal no matter how many times it's done or asked or talking about purpose because everyone has a different answer and uh, that those conversations are subjective to the people themselves of like what their lived experiences are and how they've shaped their perceptions and their goals and their ideas into the way they are today and and i um and i, I love what you're saying too about like specifically talking to you know women of color um and just talking like to marginalized folks in general like i took an existentialism class uh in college and uh, i wrote my like my um last paper on simone Beauvoir, and you know she was an existentialist philosopher who she was she was uh praised as like one of the big like feminist philosophers um, like a feminist existentialist and uh, you know she she challenged I think it was uh yeah it was Sartre um I'm pretty sure they were life partners but Sartre you know his big thing was like life is what you make of it you know you're not born with any meaning you're you're supposed to just like create your own meaning and uh, everyone has that divine potential and whatever but Beauvoir kind of challenges that with like well you're, you're born with like div divine potential and uh, um, like have the freedom to create your own meaning in life if you are part of the demographic that, you know, wrote those rules yourself. So like in, in that case, it's like basically if you're if you're a man, if you're a white man, you, you have those privileges of like creating your own meanings in life and, and, and for women like that's not the case because women are have been just so like subordinated in society by these meta narratives that like they they don't have like just the way oppression has prevented them from really like actualizing themselves 
achieving that like you know you know like achieving that like self-actualization of being who you truly are and reach and figuring out purpose like you know it's 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 often spoke from spoken from a place of privilege when people talk about like oh you know you can do anything in this life you can create your meaning it's like what but you can't unless you you're born with privilege and you're born with opportunity that other folks have and as long as we have a class society as long as we have you know oppression of black folks lgbtq plus folks mm-hmm. you know religious persecution massive wealth inequality like all of those things then it's not productive to talk about you know how everyone has divine potential um and everyone because that's spoken with the assumption that like we are all like born with the same things, but we weren't. Right. Uh, so. And I guess for me, the nuance comes more from um, the individual circumstances and yeah. um, the experiences that it just took to get there. Like, sure, like we can talk about this singular like goal and, and like, this is the road I'm on and whatever, like, this is what I like to do, fine. But what got you there? You know, right. so like one of my interviews was with my sister and my sister and I are seven are 17 years apart. Um, and so potentially like in today's society, she could very much be my mother. I don't know her. By the time like I was five years old, my sister was 22. So like what got my sis, like when I like met my sister and I started remembering things, what happened? Like what was zero to... 22 23 and then when she was 23 she had my first niece Susana and like I so then therefore I've always known her as my sister and my niece's mom you know like it that that whole um that whole aspect is 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 what what fascinates me it's like what were the experiences that that got you there um, and can you say that you're grateful, basically? It's like, we're always trying to spin it towards the positive and towards growth. And so with my interview with my sister, she was very much like, my sister's a cancer and she's very cerebral. So when I asked her, like, do you feel like you know what your purpose is? And she very simply said, yes. And then I was kind of like, I was thrown for a loop. Because most people would be like, well, this man, and then you get into a conversation and fine. But with her, I had to get into it. I had to get into the little nitty gritty about it with her. Um, and the conversation was beautiful. Um, I'll post it soon. I haven't posted it yet. I posted some other interviews. But um, basically, by the end of it, she was kind of like, I feel like I need to reflect a little bit more because I, I haven't thought about what got me here in a long time. What not even got me here, but what got me to the start of here. You know, that's just a little bit more like I care more about the journey rather than like, how did you get like, what is this? What are you up to? Like, I'm more like, I want the pieces. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. The fibers, you know. Right, right. right. The, the nuances, as you were yeah. saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And that's wonderful. Like, and that can't be overlooked either. You know, like with every like with all the hardships that, you know, 
many of us are faced with at varying levels to come a long way, maybe still not have that much, like depending on who you are, what you do and still be happy and look at like, Hey, like look at all the victories I made and look at all of the, the, the power I've like in, invested uh, into myself. Um, that's on SoundCloud, uh, your, your interviews. It is, it is. Yeah. So far there are two episodes. Um, I'm still on season one. What are you um, calling it? Purpose. Purpose. Mm-hmm. It's on SoundCloud. It's the same as my all my social media handles, IDJ Valentine. Um, so far I interviewed my friend Raven. She was the episode one, and then my friend Tiana. Um, I went to school with both of them. And Raven is a beautiful, beautiful storyteller. And so is Tiana. Um, Raven gets more into the storytelling aspect of it herself because as a storyteller she's just gonna fall into it and then tiana talks a lot about an innate trust and leaning into just what what the what purpose the universe has given her rather than these circumstances she's just like i'm just gonna both beautiful interviews done awesome. by oh, beautiful edited <laughs> recorded produced yep what wow you're a you're a well-oiled machine there yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah dope well shout out to raven shout out to tiana uh Hell yeah yeah wonderful definitely uh gonna check it out oh, well i want to see yeah i want to i want to hear you be on the other side of this yeah it's a it's a long form podcast uh format um, the episodes so far are between, I still have some that I haven't edited yet, but there's one that I probably whittled down to about seven minutes. And the longest one I think I have is like 16 or 17 minutes. Cool. I guess uh, I'd love to talk about last summer and mm-hmm. the uprisings and um, how you sort of like found yourself um, leading figure in, in the marches, uh, How like yeah, I guess I'd love to hear just sort of your your uh, experience uh, last summer and yeah, just ultimately what you ended up taking away from everything. Um, so I got into it. Um, I was seeing someone who uh, kind of put themselves in a leadership position. Um, and then through that and some collaborating, I met some really awesome other community organizers who vetted me and mentored me into that world. Um, and I already had the groundwork laid out for myself, um, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, the way that I always described it was that uh, in the spaces that I tend to be allowed in, I always micro-protested. Um, like, I'm not going to let people get away with, with saying stupid shit. Um, and that happens a lot in the music world. That happens a lot in the theater world. Um, in an industry where the way you look pigeonholes you so easily, uh, you can't help but talk about race and privilege, um, and and the incorrectness that can come with all those things. 
and so um my like i was i i surprisingly fit in super well um into that type of leadership role and not even leadership role like i i would never want to um put my voice over black voices uh, for sure yeah because in my mind black liberation is liberation for all so that's what we got to work on first right now um and then everything will trickle down better but black liberation has got to be the first thing and so i never really wanted to put myself up there like that and i always was very much like what where can i help you need do you need me to holler i'll holler i don't mind i'm like but i don't i don't want to holler before anybody else hollers and that feels like they need to especially black voices in the room but if you that's what you need me to do i'm there to do it you need me to stand back and make calendars for you sure you need me to organize getting tents and and first aid supplies to whatever fine you need me to just be the storage site cool like i'll do whatever needs to be done and so that's really what taught me um what i needed to know to be able to just organize to organize and to do what needs to get done and uh Unfortunately, things fell a little bit, and uh, we're at a point now where uh, we're probably going to revamp in a different way or do what we need to do again, like micro protesting versus macro protesting, or doing micro activism versus macro activism. Because um, a lot of it had a lot of a lot of the notions that that poison the world come from random rooms, random rooms that people are in. And so it just takes someone being in a certain place in a certain position to call things out and to have the emotional bandwidth and to be willing to take that emotional burden of having a teaching moment. You have to, you have to, and, 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 we have to because lives are at stake because you know like my kids lives are at stake and the amount of love that i have for my kids not even having them yet is really what fuels that um knowing that i'm going to have kids of my own and probably going to adopt as well and and the all the disenfranchisement that comes from that whole aspect it's like i'm not gonna i'm not just gonna stay quiet I'm not just gonna stay quiet about this. And so that's really what got me into it. And I I just kinda I just kinda fell into it. I have a lot of experience. Like you said, like we know each other through Emily and Emily has done a lot of the um backstage work, I guess, in the stage management world and whatnot. And so um and I've also done a lot of stage management work and so that was kind of the same thing. It was just like organizing people and, and it was like having a for efficiency's sake, and this is what we need to do, and ta 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 ta. Yeah, the technicalities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Um, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, yeah, I was really happy to see you out there. Um, and that's awesome. Like, it's awesome that you know you you recognize the urgency of like what was happening in the world, and um, you chose to act, and uh, and. Uh, you know, and that's very courageous, you know, anyone who chooses to act rather than just sort of like, you know, be complacent in that discomfort. And because like you said, yeah, lives are at stake. 
we have to stand up against Russian. Uh, we have to resist. And um, that's not and just, like some people don't get like I I have been been grasping onto this a little bit more lately. Some people don't get called for that. Like some some people, especially black and brown bodies, like one sometimes they can't handle it. Like if a oh, black yeah. brown body is like I I I can't fight that battle. I've been through it or like, I don't want to go through it or like I'm fine in my, in my little bubble type thing. And that's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's not, that's not to say like, I'm not trying to, to be like, everyone needs to do something like, no, if you, if you feel like you're, you're fine where you're at and you can't handle it, like take care of yourself first. Of course. Yeah. Right. Like it's not everyone's, role to be boots on the ground everywhere like you know so, and it's also like you know just you know considering like ableism too like not everyone physically is are capable of being out marching either you know like also like recognizing that fighting the fight comes in so many different ways too like, like what really comes from marching after the fact right like we can march right. But then like where where we where are we like accessorizing ourselves to continue through the message of what we marched for in the first place? Right. Yes, exactly. Like what are we gonna push for now? What are our long-term right. goals? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, how can we redistribute our wealth? How can we really help serve our community? Um, stuff like that. And all of those are very fundamental parts of the revolution here. Um, and I like what you said about the micro versus macro activism. And that's the part I think that um, is very uh, crucial to distinguish because the micro activism is a part that a lot of people lose sight of, like in terms of like checking themselves and checking their ego and uh, recognizing the little, like just the little ways you contribute to oppression or contribute to problematic structures like there's a lot of radical self-accountability that some people just don't uh don't want to do and that's that's unfortunate and it's harmful radical yeah. self-accountability i like that oh yeah yeah i think about that like think about that all the time like you know how what are little ways that you know you recognize are toxic that you've done not only in your past, but also to this day, you know, and holding yourself accountable to change. And it's, you know, it's okay. Like everyone has growth to do like, but, and you have to forgive yourself for that too. Um, I think that's the re reason why a lot of people are, don't take the time to check themselves because they don't know how to like forgive themselves or something like that. You know, like I, it's, there's a lot that goes into it but it's all it's all very important and um and i think that like that's one of the biggest things i learned from marching last summer was like that even when i go home after i'm done marching today like you know i can't like there's nothing to pat myself on the back for like if i'm not like also having those difficult conversations with myself, with my family, with my friends, with people I work with in the music scene, with, you know, if I'm not like 
spending money on my local creatives, uh, spending money on my local organizations, like supporting them in any way I can. Like there's so many little ways to help to, to, to keep, to keep that momentum going. And I think that's what I, I definitely think it was amplified by pandemic and quarantine for sure. Like you said, after going, going home from a protest, then what, you know, like, what did you even go to the protest for? Did you go to the protest so you can take in the energies and so you can go home and think about it and then live your life better and then continue to plant and sow the seeds of towards the change that we need? Like, or did you go to a protest just to go to a protest? Just to see your friends or something like that. Right. And so although people like can claim that they have the emotional bandwidth and the strength to carry the burden of what it is to fight for shit, for the shit that needs to get fought for, um, I think where they fall short is not realizing that things need to happen in tandem. And there is a duality in that, that also needs to live there um, with the macro and the micro and the, um, the inside versus the outside. And you know, like it's, you gotta, you gotta go home and think about what you just been through. Go home and think about what you just been through and the way that people were out there, like you saw it firsthand. And now what are you going to do when you go into the office on Monday? Yeah. You know, what are you going to do when you get to a restaurant and you're serving a table and you, they see your Black Lives Matter pin and they were like, well, I think all lives matter. Like, are you going to say something or are you going to be like, yeah, you're my table. It's fine. Like, which one are you going to do? You had the emotional bandwidth to be at a protest and to, you know, do whatever. Like, are you gonna now walk the walk? Right. I think a good way to think of it is like the macro is what people see, mm -hmm. like out in the public and shit, you know, both on the internet and out on public. The micro is what people don't see. The micro is what's in your immediate circle that only concerns you and immediate surroundings. And uh, sir, yeah, that's, the, the, that's where people can fall short. Yeah, yeah, and I've definitely fallen short there myself. You know, like yeah, I, but, but the the growth comes from the reflection and the accountability. Be like, yeah, I I did fall short. I could have done this in this situation. I could have done that in that situation. Like this could have went this way. That could have went that way. I chose this way because it was easier. You know, it most likely goes towards comfort. Yeah, or fear. You're afraid of like the confrontation and you're afraid of like, and I get that too, but we can't succumb to that ultimately. Um, you have to condition yourself to be resilient against fear. Um, if you want to claim to have the bandwidth if you want to claim to have the bandwidth, yeah, you do have to dispel that little fear. You do, you have You have to, then what are you doing? Right, right, like you said, walk the walk. Right, and that's and that's exactly, like, look, I'm, I'm doing the same thing now, like I'm calling it out, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? 
And uh, like, if you're not doing anything, then say that and like own up to it. Like, have accountability. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, if you can't do that much, then that's, okay. That's, but but just say so. Like, go home and think about it, and really think about the reason why you feel like you can't do nothing. And if you come up with a reason that's good for you and it has peace in your heart, it's fine. That's all you need. That's all I need for you. Like, otherwise, get out of my way. Right. Exactly. All I need to know is that. <laughs> Aries season, I'm choosing violence every day. Every day. Yeah. Oh. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, no, I appreciate this conversation a lot. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about is actually uh, what we're looking at here, uh, your plants. So I'm kind of curious, like, how taking care of all these plants. Cause I know you make TikToks, you know, and you're, you're kind of like giving little plant tips and, and advice and stuff like that. You're documenting like your, your little uh, foliage family here. Mm-hmm. Um, so how is this doing this? Like, um, like, how does it bring you peace? Like, what is it, what, what does it kind of like uh, fulfill for yourself to um, take care of these, these things? I always say that it's a, it's an ancestral thing. Um, like I, I haven't been to Puerto Rico in like a decade. I've never been to Mexico and my mom's from the desert. And so like, like I have a, I have a huge aloe that she gave me that's in the other room. It's so, so big. And I'm like, my mom grew this, like she got it when it was so tiny. Actually, I'll bring it in here. I'll show you. It's kind of ridiculous. Oh, wow. So it is mom, a big fella. Yeah, she's huge. Oh, she's so heavy. But yeah. um, my mom supposedly got this when it was super, super tiny. And if you can see underneath the roots like turned in there, it's huge. This is at least like a 15 year old plant. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And yeah, wow. so it, it like it. I got into it because of that. Um, I have some plants that I've had for years and years and years. Um, like this ZZ over here. I've had this one for a bunch of years as well. It's very cute. I love that. She is a pretty girl. Right? Yes. Yes. So I like, I got into it because of course, like like a Florentine, Uh, quarantine like made me very sad and um, I was going through it, going through some shit. And I don't know, I ended up going to Stein's Gardens and Gifts and um, doing a little retail therapy. And then it from uh, zero to a thousand kind of got out of control. And so now I have plants everywhere in the house and um, yeah, just a lot of a lot of research going into it, and and uh, my mom always like talked about plants as if they were creatures, and like if they were like like nature and the universe to me is also is all very female and should all be very valued, and so that on top of on top of that, it also like reminding me of like the matriarch of my family. It's very uh, nostalgic for me and just like, oh, look, it's so pretty. Right. Um, 
I like to live in that sense of duality where like I'm very much an adult and like built as as tough as nails, but then like I'm I'm such a child. Like I'm so I'm such a child at heart. And so like things that like like look dumb to me in a way I'm just like this is such a silly plant like this like polka dot begonia like like it it looks so silly to me like it has dots on it then the thing has dots wow that is (laughs) ridiculous (laughs) yeah no it's it, it is absolutely ridiculous and like um yeah I, I don't like I, I really like flowers I like plants that aren't the regular ones like people are really into like like these fiddle leaves too but these f- fiddle leaves like I didn't pe- they're very they're so so damn expensive um like this pot would easily like the way that I built it this would easily be a 200 250 plant and like one of them one of the fiddle leaves was given to me by one of our plant guys and he was like, if you think you could take care of it, like no one's buy, bought it yet and it's kind of looking rough. So he gave it to me. And then this other one, I found it for like eight bucks at a Steins, infested, and I brought her back to life. And yeah, that's kind of how it started. Um, I I remember finding a cutting, like a something that broke off of one of my mom's plants when I was a teenager. And then I just put it in a cup by the piano. And then I, eventually I saw Roots grow because I'd practice every day. And so that's kind of what got me into it. I was like, oh, I, I, I did that. Like I, I revived this little like fuchsia flower. Yeah, right, so, yeah. Um, that's kind of like what I like, like to say that that's my specialty is, is reviving plants. And so like my friends will give me a plant that looks sad or is like sick and I'll try to figure it out for them and, and, and then be like, okay, this is, this is what I noticed that your plant likes and you just need to communicate with it better. And this is what yeah. she's trying to tell you when she says this, and when right. she does this, and when, when she, she makes that face. Yeah, when you know she's a little bit crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah. Well, that's beautiful. You know, it, you uh, you fall in love with the caretaking, mm-hmm. and uh, like you said, it's um, yeah, it's just it's a very like uh, pure way of like interacting with something that has a very specific way of like saying something back to you right and And i people get lost in this whole like in this in this um like capitalist notion of like retail therapy like you're not just buying a pair of shoes that you're gonna wear out and throw away like these things cannot live you like how humbling how right. humbling is that like these like if 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 these things are planted in a, in a beautiful place they're going to outlive me yeah. but i but i have had the opportunity to you know take care of them in their very early stages because like like i these plants are they can live on forever you know like i have this elephant ear over here if you can see this huge one She's given me two flowers already. And then she even has this tiny little babe down here. <laughs> like, yeah, little baby flower. And I was like, oh my God, I love you too. Oh, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's cute. Yeah, that is cute. Um, 
I interviewed somebody recently who also takes care of plants and he was saying that like, you know, also taking care of plants is a good way of like, kind of like foundation for also taking care of yourself because like how, because plants are dependent on you to survive and be and thrive. Like if they're not doing well, the chances are you're not doing well either, you know? And it's like, it's a good way to like sort of check in with yourself. Like how are my plants doing? Like, if I'm staying on top of that, then I'm, I'm staying on top of myself and what I need to do, you know? Probably, yeah, especially scheduling-wise. Like, I have easily over 100 plants and pots and shit. Like, I have so... Is that part of your, like, morning routine, kind of, like... I am... Um, so, coming off of the winter, a lot of the plants have been doing fine. They don't need a lot of water yet, and so I don't, I don't need to get up and have a morning routine. Before my morning routine would have been to like open my curtains, but I've been like, my plants have been begging for light. And so I just keep them open anyways. And so, but usually I would like, I would close them at night, open them in the morning and get up at a certain time and check everyone. But um, right now everyone's doing pretty okay. I mean, from getting in from out of town, I probably do need to go around and check everything, but um, I just kind of like look at it and if I'm walking around with my cup of coffee and I like have a bottle of water and I'm like, here you go, a little bit for you, a little bit for me. <laughs> Sweet. It's very, yeah, it's very like, like a little for you, a little for me with my cat too. Like if I like, if I'm eating, I'm like, oh, a little for you, a little for me, come on. Yeah, 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 that's, that's cute. I love that. I don't know, I like to, I like to, I like to humble myself to, right. to other life forms, including plants and I keep, yeah. I keep particular ones in particular places, um, either because of their own needs or because I just like them close to me because they make me happy. Like my yeah. little purple anthuriums over there and my pink syngoniums next to the bed. They're just so pink. Yeah, <laughs> it make that does make me miss my parents' greenhouse a little bit. Like just all of the brimming colors in May, you know, when they get the the pansies and the primroses and the uh, tulips and shit like that, you know? Yeah. It's man. I stuff I should have appreciated more when I was a kid. Well, you can still get back into it. I sure can. Maybe I will. Yeah. Um, on. well, that's good. It's great that it's been, you know, keeping your peace. It sounds like. Yeah. No. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Good. Well, uh, Indy, I really appreciate you being on the show today. This was a wonderful talk. Yeah, really for sure. We touched on a lot of uh, big things. Um, yeah. Talked talk about music education. We talked about um, purpose and like meaning. We talked about uh, community organizing. And now we talked about plants. You know, uh, that's that right there is a Mr. Nice Guy podcast. It's the Mr. Nice Guy podcast for sure. So on our way out, I ask everyone the same two questions. Um, first one is, uh, Indy, what keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Purpose, my, my own purpose. I think that's why I really got into, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the project of, of having people tell me how they're dealing with their purpose and, and what they feel like it is and their journey is whatever like if 
if I feel like something is just really looming over me and I'm just like, I can't sleep. I got to get up and do something. You know, like it, it, it's most likely because it directly relates to, to where I feel that the universe is pulling me. What puts you to sleep? Um, <laughs> um uh, usually Hulu. <laughs> Some what random What have you watched lately? Uh lately Misfits has been putting me to sleep. I've been rewatching Misfits. I watched it where whenever it was coming out. It was years ago. Um the British Misfits. And uh yeah. Nice. Well uh right on. Um Good stuff all around. Great to see you. Thank you for being on the show. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great time. Uh, for everyone watching, I'll be tagging Indy's uh, SoundCloud here, Purpose, so uh, <laughs> you can listen to uh, his podcasts about uh, meeting and uh, how others are dealing with it. Um, get some houseplants. Uh, do the microactivism. And uh, support your uh, local arts programs in schools. Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We will see you next time.